0: week two of our series into the wild but uh, I want to take us back to uh, 256 GMT on 21st July 1969 when an American astronaut named Neil Armstrong became the first person to walk on the moon he stepped out of the Apollo 11 lunar module and onto the moon surface in an area called the sea of tranquility and he said those famous words that have resounded into, into our hearts, into our TV screens, into our, into our the history of mankind, when he said this, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And in that moment, stirred that Im- the impossibilities are possible for you and I. What is little known, though, is about his uh, fellow partner, the second man on the moon named Buzz Aldrin, no, not Buzz Lightyear, but Buzz Aldrin. And Buzz Aldrin was, before he stepped and followed suit after Neil Armstrong in his wake onto the moon, we're told by his historical accounts that in the lunar module, he stood there and he read from a three-by-five index card the scripture from John 15, which says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. After reading that, he opened up the uh, NASA-approved communion emblems that he had taken on this journey and he took communion before he stepped out into the moon's surface. He had communion there, celebrating the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, he did this as he was asked later, why was this your first thing you did before you took a step into the unknown? He said, I wanted to remind myself that though I was going where no man had gone before, there was another who had gone there before me. I love this reality because as we have been starting to stir the pot of our hearts a little bit, Mark Twain, the great author, once said that there are two important days in your life. Number one, the day you were born, and secondly, the day you find out why. And we're wanting to awaken the church to the why we were made, why we were born, the very very deep recesses of our soul, above the Monday to Friday uh, humdrum, above the living 50 weeks of the year for the two-week vacation, above all of these years put together, find a spouse, get married, have children, and then die one day. What is this all about? What are we on this earth still to do? Well, I'm glad you asked, and I think Jesus said it most succinctly and most powerfully. In Acts 1 verse 8, he said this to his young disciples. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love this scripture because you have to understand its context. When he is saying this, he's not saying this at the heights of of his political power at the moment when everyone is ready to follow him. No, he's saying it to a bunch of scared unqualified minority group called the disciples who at this stage when jesus would, would ascend into heaven and leave them on their own and send the holy spirit there's about 120 in number of christ followers this is not some powerful political movement this is not some people on the front foot this is the people who are nervous and cowering in the background and into that moment into that uh, that that status quo he says into the wild you go Into the wild you go. In a sense, he puts before him the Everest. He says, this is the Edmund Hillary moment saying, I'm going, you are going to ascend that mountaintop. He puts before them the South Pole of Roald Amundsen, who says, we're going to go where no man has gone before. In a sense, he puts the stars, he puts the moon and says, up there we're going, we're going where no one has ever gone before. And Jesus is saying this to a people who are seemingly disqualified from this adventure. The mission of all missions, he puts the impossible in front of him, and he says, you shall receive power, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samira, ends of the earth. In a moment, he's saying, you're going to receive power, and the whole reality of this series, what we're trying to remind ourselves is, what was the power of the Holy Spirit for? Well, according to Jesus, it was to be his witnesses, to the people who had tasted and seen, who had, who had, who had heard and encountered and now go and tell and make known. So in a sense, Jesus is saying, "Into the wild we go, out of the safe, sanitized, secluded Christianity, outside of the four walls, outside of our neat and tidy rows." Saying actually, it's into the wild. We said it last week, but Jay Z and Kanye West probably said the indictment best when they made the 2011 hit classic, "There's No Church in the Wild," and as they lament and say, "There's no church in the wild. There's no church on the streets. There's no place where people like us can go." I'll say, oh, they haven't made Life changes, Church just yet because we're people who are not here for the status quo. We're here people who are not gonna buy into the, 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 the notion of just rearranging the, the seats on the Titanic as the ship goes beneath the deck. No, as somebody once said, we're called not just to keep, we're called to reach. We won't be a people who are keepers of an aquarium when we've been called to be fishers of men. That was much deeper than than I think you all responded, that actually so often, churches can feel like an aquarium where we have to keep everyone happy, keep everyone okay, when actually, no, 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 we're not called to be a people who come and retire and hide away from the world. No, we're called to be fishes of men. Into the wild we go. I've said it last week, I'll say it again, we're called to fill cities, not just buildings. We're called to be a city on a hill, not just a church on a block. I remember during COVID, uh, when I, at my lowest moment, when everyone was, we were like, where has everyone gone? What is happening? And we were, we were nervously starting to reopen church and trying to follow the guidelines and make sense of all the craziness in the world and what are we supposed to do. I remember saying to Fee, what if, what if nobody comes back? What if we say, we're open? And the church goes, nah, no thanks. Everyone, everyone that was part of our church said, no, no, not, not that keen anymore. We're happy. And then uh, in, in that nervous insecurity, I remember my wife clearly saying to me, well, then we'll just have to go reach a whole lot more people. And in in that sense, I'm so glad people came back. I'm so glad that our church, our family, that we knitted together, came back and said, actually, we're still in this journey of faith together. We've been knitting. that even time and space can't pull us apart, yes. But actually, reality is true. We're not called just to keep a bunch of people happy. We're called to reach a city of three million people who don't know Jesus. That's why we're here. And we gotta keep reminding our hearts of this. And that's why, if you want to know the dream in my heart, is the dream in my heart that this parking lot would be filled week in and week out. The parking lot next door will be filled, and not just with the same cars coming in, but different cars. I've got a dream that we'll see cars pulling in and people jumping out and, and, saying, and, and saying, I bought my friend, I bought my friend. And actually people ching chong ching to see who can fill their car up the most with people, friends have to go and pick up. Come with me to church. I have a dream that the My City bus route will have to change this route to have an extra bus on a Sunday so that people can get here. And I, it's just that Mark II reality where it'll be the majority saying, We're going to go and do anything we can to get the one guy to get to church, to get him to encounter Jesus. We'll inconvenience ourselves, not about our time slots, what is most happy for us. Actually, no, we're a church in the wild. And we, we'll do all of this so that people encounter him. And we'll all buy into this reality. And actually, the reality would be people would come to church and, go, and people would say, How did you find the church? And just to let you know, we have got approval. We're putting up really fancy signage, it's coming soon. We're so excited for that. But I pray that yes, people will come because there's signs. But I pray people would say, I came because of him. I came because of her. I became because of them. They, they, they came into my world and brought me into theirs. Why? Because they, we are called to be signs and wonders. Our lives are called to be signs and wonders that point people to Jesus. That's why we are doing two carol services here on the 3rd of December. We're doing two carol services, and we're trusting both would be filled. We're going to have a petting zoo, llamas. I don't even know what those are, but they'll be here. But why? It's not because we've got this passion for petting zoos. No, we've got a passion to reach people. And if people will come to encounter Jesus and say, actually, that's the one reason. We'll get them here. We'll do it. We'll preach the gospel to them. And they'll meet a the people who are church in the wild saying, actually, we'll do anything. So people encounter Jesus. I've got this reality because, you see, the, 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 this is nothing new. It's the star in, on the way to Bethlehem. How, how did you get there? Well, there's a star in the sky. And Jesus says this, Philippians chapter 2, uh, the apostle Paul says to us, echoing Jesus' heart, says that like, shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. That we are people who call to our lives are supposed to be so different and so, so distinct, but we are pointing to something that people can k- take their cue of us to find him. I love this reality, and we're looking through the book of Acts, and if you want to know how the book of Acts plays out, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, you shall receive power when my spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. As you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 to 7, the gospel goes into all of Jerusalem. Then, and from chapter 8, because persecution comes, God will get the gospel moving in any way, shape, or form, he will have to, he'll even use persecution And Acts chapter 8 to 12 happens in Judea and Samaria. And then in Acts chapter 13, a man, a Gentile man, a a Jewish man named Paul is saved. He encounters Jesus. And then the apostle sets him and Barnabas apart to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we see that this whole mission, a mandate, the impossible, the Everest, the South Pole, the moon, this is impossible, takes place in 28 chapters. Jesus' heart is there. It's not impossible. But I also want to remind us it's not easy. And that's what I want to help us frame this conversation today is that everywhere the gospel went in the book of Acts, if you go read it at home, it was met with two responses either riots or revivals. Riots, people freaking out and being and and, and throwing the, the preachers, the ministers, the witnesses of Jesus Christ and His life into jail, or revivals. One famous uh, preacher once said, wherever Paul went, there were riots and revivals. He said, Wherever I go, we serve tea. And it's like this very lukewarm thing that actually we've become so sobered up, so neat and tidy, so clean cut that we actually just keepers of aquariums. And God said, "No, no, I've called you into the wild. He wants to awaken us to the reality." Bible 101, and this is the reality is as I read through the pages of the books of Acts, I've been so captured that every single big move of God was preceded or succeeded by a stay in prison. The disciples and their followers. We're thrown into jail again and again. Acts chapter four has a prison in it. Acts chapter five has a prison in it. Acts chapter 12 has a prison in it. Acts chapter 16 has a prison in it. Acts chapter 21 to 28 is prison, 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 prison. It's the majority of the book of Acts. So I wanted to help us this this morning, shape us a little bit for this conversation. This is raw, this is rough, but this is the church getting to grips with who we're called to be, realizing why we're born. I've entitled the sermon, Stars and Bars. He's called us, To reach the moon, people, it's impossible. But he says it's gonna happen a lot of times when we're behind bars in situations where we don't know how we're gonna get out of them. And this is the the call of the gospel to you and I. There's a quote that I love from the story of Chronicles of Narnia when Beaver is talking to Lucy and they're talking about Aslan. And Lucy says about Aslan, is he quite safe? To which Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's a king, I tell you. Father, I thank you this morning. As we dive into your word, I pray, would you shape us? Would you shift us? Would you call us? Would you put grit in your church again? And would you remind us, God, of the high call of Christ Jesus? Lift our eyes a little bit higher than our Monday to Fridays. Lift our eyes higher than the budgets. Lift our eyes higher than the ho-hum of life. Lift our eyes higher than the relational strife. Would we see what you see as you call us to the impossible? That if, thank you, Father, that we would today afresh receive your power so we can be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Four fourth prisons I see throughout the text in the book of Acts. Number one is the prison of injustice, and this is found in Acts chapter 4. The Acts chapter 4 background, we're going to go through the whole book of Acts, everyone, in 20 minutes. Are you guys ready for this? Wow, it's amazing. Acts chapter 4 is preceded by Acts chapter 3. That's deep right there. But in Acts chapter three is a scenario where Peter and John are on the way to temple and they're ready to go and worship Jesus. But on the way there, they encounter a man at the gate beautiful outside of the temple. I love the thought that the miracle happens not in the building, but outside the building on the way. And this incredible encounter that they they heal this man who's been lame for 40 years. 40 years, churchgoers have been going past the same guy, maybe giving him a few coins, but walking past him and not letting him encounter the life that they're going after. 40 years, he's been a, a staple there on the side of the church. 40 years, but nothing changed until two spiritful men walk past and say, silver and gold we don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And lo and behold, he does. He gets up and walk. And the song says, he goes, leaping and praising God. Leaping and dancing and praising God, this incredible reality that stirs a city up. The city are in uproar. So much so the religious elite come and they're saying, how did you do this? And in whose name did you do this? This isn't on our agenda. How how come you're doing this stuff? This is not, you're not following our protocol. But they go, yeah, yeah, this is, we're not neat and tidy. We're going into the wild. Those are our mission papers. We're not called to be a church on the block. We're called to be a city on a hill. So we're going to where the, the need is. And this incredible story finds this climax when the people forbid them in preaching the name. They've just seen the miracle, but the religious elites are so more concerned with the status quo, saying, no, no, we're gonna forbid that. We're going to put you in jail, and then we're gonna release you with this incredible threat and warning that if you do this again, there'll be a lot of pain ahead of you. So this is the narrative. It feels unjust. It feels like we've just done something beautiful, and yet we've just been smashed back down. No, 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 remember your place. They're thrown in jail, but as they come out, this is the reality. I love the first thing they do, in Acts chapter 4 culminates with them coming back to the church who are waiting for them to be released, and the early church who are there, who've got the Acts 1-8 in their hearts, the impossible, the stars in their hearts, and God has called us to big things, and now they're trying to reconcile the stars with the bars. How do we reconcile these two? And the first thing they do is they pray. Acts chapter 4, they pray. Now, if I was in that prayer meeting, what would I pray after this injustice I would pray for retribution. I will pray for justice. I will pray for vindication. God, we pull that stronghold down in Jesus' name, those religious elites. Would you demolish them right now in Jesus' name? Maybe, that's what I would do if I'm honest. But their prayer is a little different. This is what they pray after they've just tasted jail. Verse 29 of chapter four, it says, Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They, in the response to jail, they pray for preaching the word. They say, God, give us more boldness to preach the word more. And here is the kicker. Verse 31 finishes and says in that chapter, after this prayer. After the prayer, not for justice, retribution, or divine intervention, no, but the prayer for more boldness to preach his word, to be a faithful witness to what he's called us to, despite the pressure, it said, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. After this prayer. I wonder what prayers the the church are praying around the world Praying for more power. We do it. We say it often. God, give us more power. We want your power. We want your power. But I think God in heaven is saying, what do you want my power for? For greater meetings? For greater, neater aquarium experiences? Wow, our aquarium's amazing. Or do you want my power when you step into the deep blue? Into the unknown, into the impossible situations I've called you to? I love this fact. When we realize the bars of this injustice, I say to you and I here and now, are you feeling hard done by by life? Are you feeling overlooked, disappointed, handled badly at work? Are you feeling hemmed in, in any way? I wanna ask you right now, do you see your circumstances as a prison or a platform? Let me say that again, I'm gonna ask this a few times Say: do you see your prison, do you see your circumstances as a prison or a platform? Because I really believe today we get to be a people who turn our prisons into prayers. And after this prayer, God says, I will pour out my power in a profound way. So the first prison we see in Acts chapter four and five is the prison of injustice. Secondly, in Acts chapter 12, is the prison of inadequacy. Acts chapter 12 is this remarkable chapter. It starts at the beginning with a political despot, Herod, on the throne. He's just killed the apostle James. He's thrown Peter in jail, and the church are terrified. But then in the middle, we encounter a church who are small in number, who are the minority, who are not on the front foot politically or religiously. There are people who, are, who should in their very nature be hiding away the white picket fence wall and say, just keep it quiet, keep it quiet. But we find them on the front foot again praying and the chapter that starts with Herod on the throne, Peter in jail, the church terrified. Chapter 12 finishes with the church increasing largely in number. Peter freed from jail miraculously and Herod the political despot is dead. And the only thing that I can tell the difference between the two, the start and the finish, is a the church they're praying. A church in the wild You say, we're not gonna shy away from these moments. I, I, I wanna re- keep reminding you, maybe in your heart, you say in these moments, we, we try and, oh, we try to stir you up or something. You say, oh yeah, but, but that doesn't just dive with my Monday because I just do spreadsheets. It sounds, I just do spreadsheets. Or, or you say, I, I, I just clean buildings. Or I just look after kids. Well, the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 1 verse 20, It says that the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. Bible. Let me say that again until I get one amen here out of somebody. The scripture says the church is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. Let that sink in for a little bit. We often feel inadequate. We often feel like just on the sidelines watching. We have to try and interpret world events and try and give a Christian spin it. we no, 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 no. We are central to the story that's happening. We're not just bystanders watching this. We're not just people on the sidelines going, well, I hope they include us. We wanna get a voice in government one day. No, we have a voice now. And it's when the church awakens themselves. They say, actually say, into the wild we go. I wanna remind you and I, divine power is knocking at the door of your ordinary. Divine power is saying, let me in. I want in on your ordinary. Because here's my reminder to my own fickle heart. We, the church, have always been persecuted. We have always been looked down upon. The more we have been persecuted, though, always, the more we have thrived. The church have never done well in times of peace. Never. The church have never done well in times of blessing. Never, because we get all so drunk on the blessing and we settle back down to our aquarium lifestyle. When we're on persecution, when we thrive, under, being under the, the gun, as we say, when the world are seen against us, when we're behind the bars of inadequacy, when we're trying to say, what little do we have in the face of all this, this pressure? I tell you, that's when we thrive. Historically, that, biblically, that's when the church has increased, not moved back. So I remind you and I that we have more authority in the city than the mayor. We have more authority in the city than the political powers that be. Not because we're some rah-rah campaign, but because we, the, the Bible says that you shall receive power, life-changing, resurrection power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you be my witnesses. So I say again to you, do you see your circumstances as a prison or a platform? Do you see your circumstances as a prison or a pulpit? Thirdly, see in Acts chapter four and five, a prison, of this injustice, prison of, of, of inadequacy in Acts chapter 12. Then in Acts chapter 16, we see this idea of a prison of prejudice. The narrative is Paul and Silas now are taking the gospel into uncharted territories. They're stepping out further and further into the wild. And there they meet a lady called Lydia who opens her home. She encounters Jesus because of their ministry. And there a church is born in a nature in a place called Philippi. And they leave that place and there seems to be excitement and the church are growing this little home. But they realize we're not just meant just to keep this this group neat and tidy. We are meant for the wild. And they step out into the marketplace and a demonic, uh, possessed woman starts following him, a slave girl. And she starts speaking and declaring things. And after a while, Paul and Silas say, enough is enough. And they rebuke her and cast out the demon. And the slave girl who's been oppressed for years is set free. You think, celebrate. Amazing. No, no, because now the people who own the slave will have lost their ability to make money, and and so now a riot has ensued. There's this incredible riot, and people are freaking out, and people wanting to apprehend them, and Paul and Silas, in in response to this journey, the Bible tells us they're stripped, beaten, imprisoned, and thrown into jail with with a whole bunch of other jailers. And in Acts chapter 16, we find this text says, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were Dash. Now, let me tell you again if I'm honest, if I have just been there, I've started a successful church plant, I've gone onto the streets, there's been demonic, uh, d- the, the demons are fleeing as, I, as we declare God's word, and then are we've been thrown in jail, and not only thrown in jail, we've been beaten, we've been, we've been accused, we've broken. If I was in that place, what I'll be doing in that moment, at about midnight when it's darkest, I would be moaning, I'll be writing strongly worded emails, and I'll be leaving a review on Hello Peter. This was one star, not good treatments in the city of Philippi. But no, about midnight, Paul and Silas, it says they were praying and singing hymns to God. But what I love the most is the very next line it says, and others, the other prisoners were listening. I love that reality as they were praying and singing hymns to God. It says the other prisoners were listening. I wanna ask you a question. What are the other prisoners listening to you? What, are, what other prisoners are listening to you out there in the wild? I, I've told this story before, but I, I grew up in Zimbabwe. We at the, at, in, in 2003, we moved to Durban, but we moved basically with the, the clothes on our backs and a few suitcases. And we arrived in Durban, and I, we're at the mercy of a church people who are kind and generous. And my, my mom and my dad and I, we moved from a, a big property in Zimbabwe, everything because of economic climates and situations. We were reduced to nothing, and we ended up having to move into a one-bedroom flat that was generously given to us stay in for a while. We're so grateful, but I remember it felt very, very small. My dad, in his his mid-50s, unable to get a job, the situation felt like the world had just got very, very small for us, trying to work out, what's the future, how do we do this? We don't have any money, we don't have any, any, my dad said, don't have any opportunities here. This feels like we're now behind bars. And I remember most mornings waking up as a 15-year-old in that environment, resting my own insecurities, my own addictions, my own pains. But I remember my dad, who was, who was really struggling. But despite those moments, despite those perceived chains, he would every morning wake up and he would pray. And they weren't prayers of strength and, wow, oh, we're going to take the nations. Pray, God, please be enough for us. Please be enough. And I remember him praying that. And I would often go to school and I'd come back. And my dad, because of a lack of job, he would still be there in that position praying. And I'd walk in and maybe he was praying for divine intervention, God to do something miraculous. But in the process of that, let me tell you, the other prisoner, Gabe Phillips, his young son, was listening, was watching. And I was learning. I tell you, where did I learn the gospel? Where did I learn to trust God? It was not from a preacher at a pulpit. It was first from my dad in a one-bedroom flat. Because there was somebody who chose in that moment to not let the prison define him. But he said, actually, that situation is going to be a situation that God can use as a platform for my glory. I want to remind us in this moment that this story in Acts chapter 16 culminates, yes, an earthquake. Yes, prison doors opened. A jailer who's going to kill himself. But then the people say, don't kill himself. We're still here. And Paul and Silas are then able to minister to a Gentile jailer and lead him and his whole family to Jesus. Baptize him and they join the church there. Why they call this the prison of prejudice is that Jewish men have a prayer that they pray every morning. They pray, thank God I was not born a woman. Thank God I was not born a slave. And thank God I was not born a Gentile. In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian church is started by a woman named Lydia, a demonic slave girl, and a Gentile jailer. So often we discount what God wants to do because it's not fitting in with our paradigm, not fitting in with our timeline, not fitting in with what we want in God to do. But God says right now, do you see your circumstance as a prison or a platform? I land with one more prison. It's a prison of pain. Acts chapter 21, 28, the victorious last few chapters where the apostle Paul takes the gospel all the way to Rome, the seat of political power of the day, the gospel gets there. But let me tell you how it gets there. With Paul in chains, Paul imprisoned, Paul being warned at different moments, prophetically, don't go to Jerusalem, they'll arrest you there. And he says, if I have to go in chains, I'm still going there for the gospel's sake. He goes all the way to Rome, in jail, being from one prison time to one prison time. And as you read the book of Acts, the jail stays get longer and longer and longer. I would think as the power of God is poured out more and more, it would seem the prison stays would be less and less. That's not the Bible. I wish I could tell you, it's gonna be easy. No, it's gonna be very hard. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he has overcome the world. You see, the church history actually has Paul imprisoned a second time, finished in Acts chapter 28 with him in prison in Rome. But then he's released, but in AD 67, he's imprisoned again, and there he becomes the first, essentially the first martyr of our faith, after Stephen is Paul. Paul is martyred for his faith. And and I say this because, I wish I could reconcile that one with us. I wish I could say, the first three had these dramatic rescues. An angel coming, waking Peter up in, in Acts chapter 12, and the gates just opening. In Acts chapter 16, an earthquake, and gates opening, and whoa, a great story to tell. But in Acts 21, 28, it ends with the gospel going into the wild, the furthest place. But Paul dies in jail. See, here we trust for breakthrough. We trust for favor. We trust for freedom. I trust for promotions. I trust for healing. I trust for God's hand to be upon us and us to see the miraculous breakout. I am trusting for that. But here's my question. What happens when it seems like your prayers aren't being answered? When you have to go to the doctor Again, when you have to go and get your car fixed again, when you have to teach those ungrateful students again, when it feels like another assignment is put on your desk, another job is put on your desk, and the boss hasn't appreciated you, and you feel like why is nothing changing? Right now, I say to you again: Do you see your circumstances as a prison or a platform? Do you see your circumstances as a prison or a pulpit? Or do you see your circumstances as a prison or a passport? that takes you to people and places you would never have imagined. If Paul had not been put in chains, he would not have got to Rome, and we would not have seen all the letters that he would written. If Paul had not got to Rome in chains, though it was in chains, he says the gospel is not chained. And he was able to preach the gospel in Rome. This is the reality for you and I. As I land this, I take us back to Buzz Aldrin. We're standing on the precipice, about a step out into the wild. Step out onto the moon. That uncharted territory. And he says, reads from the three by five card, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he takes communion to remind his heart that though I'm about to step out into uncharted waters, I don't know what's on the other side of the step, but there's one who's been here already. There's one who goes before me. as him, the one who empowers me, the one who walks beside me. That's what it reminds me. When we think about Jesus, I want to give us a clear vision of Jesus, that Jesus left heaven, left the stars, if you can put it that way, And he left it for the womb of a teenage girl. The story of the gospel starts in confinement. Nine months of being confined. And the King of Glory said, I will be confined for your sake. He lived in a mortal body for 33 years. He's stepping into our wild, into our dust, into our weaknesses, our frailties, and became our sin. And he died on the cross, refusing to take the easy way out. If you are the Son of God, call down the angels. He could have, but he didn't. If you are the son of God, come off the cross now. He could have, but he didn't. Because when the world saw Mary's womb, he saw the son of God becoming the son of men. And when the world sees the cross, he saw the sons of men becoming the sons of God. Do you see your circumstances as prisons or platforms? Do you see your situations as prisons or pulpit opportunities? This is what the church in the wild are. I want us to stand to our feet. I want to read one scripture and then we'll land. I wish I could preach a sermon of come on but I want to remind us they had a word in our pre-service prayer saying God is calling the church to bulk up and I think a lot of the church are anemic that the church are falling over their faces and freaking out not knowing where to go running to complain, to moan, to grime oh God because they don't understand that this is the call of the gospel call of the gospel is not health wealth and prosperity now the gospel must go into the wild and we the church of people who hold the stars and saying we're gonna take people to the impossible we're gonna see the kingdom of God break in but it might also include times behind bars it might come in spaces when we feel limited God says that's where my grace abounds when you feel like I want out of this job I want out of this relationship I want out of this situation God says would you rather let my glory in first Jesus says this to his 12 harvest fans As he sends out his disciples, he says, don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day, travel light. He goes on to say, stay alert. This is hazardous work I'm assigning you. You're going to be like sheep running through a wolf pack. So don't call attention to yourselves. Be as shrewd as a snake, inoffensive as a dove. Don't be naive. Some people will question your motives. Others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before the civil authorities. Without knowing it, They've done you and me a favor, given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And don't worry about what you'll say or how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The Spirit of your Father will supply the words. Acts 1 verse 8 says, you shall receive power. There's power available. When the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, you will be my representatives, you'll be my church in the wild. This is the Everest before us. This is the South Pole. This is the call to the moon. And I believe in for impossible things. I believe we're gonna see the most incredible outpouring of God's spirit through our life, our church, like we've never seen before. But let me tell you, it's not because we're gonna whip a greater crowd into a frenzy. It's because the church of Jesus Christ, the church, you and me, are gonna pick up this call for ourselves and say, into the wild we go. And we're gonna see the move of God because God says, you want power? What are you doing that needs it? We're saying, we're stepping out into that zone. As we pray, I pray for us as a people. We may be feeling hard pressed on every side, but I remind you, you are not crushed. You feel persecuted, you're not abandoned. You feel struck down, you're not destroyed. God's right now says, I may, you may feel hemmed in, But he says right now, would you lift your eyes above your Monday to Fridays? Would you lift your eyes above your health condition? Would you lift your eyes above the relational strain? Would you lift your eyes above above your frustration at work? Would you lift your eyes above what the here and now, the frustrations and what's going on? Would you lift your eyes and see a little bit higher so that you'll be able to reframe your bars, reframe your prison and see it as a platform. See it as a pulpit. See it as a passport that will take you to people where no one else is getting to. So Father, I pray right now for business owners. Right now, you are right now ordaining them into full-time ministry. I pray as a church, you're reminding us to be a church in the wild. Not, Not just a church on the block, but a city on a hill. This is our Monday to Friday. This is our food and drink to do the will of the Father. I pray right now, Jesus, anoint us with eyes to see. When we feel like we've got nowhere else to go, I thank you, Father God, we really remind ourselves that you have gone before us. Before we take this step of faith, Jesus, you have been there already and you're calling us into the wild with you. So remind our hearts of this right now. As we land, can we lift our hands as a people? I'm praying for the spirit of the living God to infuse us with power, power for the mission. I believe God has got me on on a hook and refusing me to get away. I would love to preach something palatable. I'd love to preach something jolly, ease us into the Christmas spirit. But no, no, no. The times are urgent. The days are dark. It's time for the church of Jesus to shine like stars. Father, I pray right now as hands are lifted, I pray. Spirit of the living God, fall upon sons and daughters. Fill us with power for your mission. Fill us with grace for the tough jobs. Give us grace for that person that we call to walk with. God, I pray, give us eyes to see, not in the natural frustration, but eyes to see eternity at work. I pray, Father God, you would reframe our health challenges, reframe our doctor's visits, reframe our hospital stays, reframe our dead-end jobs, reframe our relationships, reframe our prison cells, and show us that they are platforms for your glory. I thank you, God. Anoint stay-at-home moms. Anoint business owners. Anoint the cashiers. Anoint the street sweepers. Anoint the dentists. Anoint the accountants. Even anoint the preachers and where people who work at church, God. Anoint us so that we'll be able to see your kingdom come. Because we believe that we shall receive power. When, not if, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we will be your witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth.